right, so today's daf is Kaf in Masech Psachim. We are three lines from the top of Kaf Amud Aleph, where we left off yesterday. Because uh, the question was that we're concerned about the flesh of the, uh, this Korban uh, becoming Tameh from, uh, from the needle. This was the case of the needle that gets, uh, that's found, that's a questionably Tameh needle, that's found stuck in the flesh of the, uh, uh, of the animal. And we said why the, why the Kohen doesn't become Tameh from it, but we didn't get to uh, why the animal does, why the flesh does, because we know that it requires Hechshir Tum'ah. Any solid that's going to become tamei has to be uh, has to be qualified by some kind of liquid in order to become susceptible to tumah. So, what is the liquid involved here? If you're going to tell me it's the blood, as somebody had said yesterday, we know that Rabbi Chiyabaraba said in the Rabbi Yochanan that the blood of Kodashim of the korbanot does not provide hechsher tumah, does not render things susceptible to tumah. Because when it speaks about blood that you're not allowed to eat, which is, to- it's actually, I mean, you're not allowed to eat any blood, but when it's speaking about the blood of non-sacred animals, it says, don't eat the blood, even though, in other words, because a person might think, if you look in the context of the Torah, the point is that a person might think that, why can't you normally eat blood? Oh, because it's going on the Mizbech, because it's part of the Korbanot, but maybe Chulin, uh, maybe non-sacred animals, you could eat the blood. So the Torah says, no, don't, don't eat it. Spill it on the ground like water. Which means to say that blood that is compared to water because it's spilled on the ground, that's treated like water and can also make things susceptible to tumah. But if it is not spilled like water, so then it is not something that can make some, something else susceptible to tumah. So therefore, it's not the blood of the, uh, the korban that is rendering it susceptible to, uh, to tumah. So, uh, so what is, the, where does the qualification come from? So it says, Ve'ela uh, Maybe you're going to tell me that it's coming from the other fluids and liquids that are around in the slaughterhouse. So uh, we saw before also that the fluids, the liquids that they use in the bit matbachai, which is talking about the blood and the water also that they use to clean the korbanot, these don't convey or receive tum'ah. They also don't render things susceptible to tum'ah, meaning even the, even the water... Uh, wouldn't render the, um, in other words, even if they wash the meat, it will not w- make it susceptible to Tum'ah. So what you see from this is that it's the Chibat Kodesh. In other words, the Korban doesn't require any Hechshir Tum'ah because Chibat Kodesh Chibah means the love of the, of the Korban, meaning it's special already in and of itself. It doesn't require any qualification. And therefore, it can become Tameh from this needle that's stuck in it without... Normally, you need to have some kind of a fluid there because it's uh, almost like a completion of the item in some way. Uh, without the liquid, it's not considered ready to receive Tumah. I think the Sefer Chinuch actually talks about it in, uh, when he discusses the halachot of uh, one of the mitzvot of Tumah v'tarah. He explains a lot of times the reasons behind mitzvot in certain halachot, and I believe he says something like that, that the Hechsher Tumah is a uh, completion of the, uh, of the item. But Chibat HaKodesh, when you're talking about Korbanot, it doesn't require any completion. It's already special and therefore very susceptible to any kind of flaw like Tumah. So that means, Normally, when do we extend this concept of that the love of the Kodesh, the fact that it is special to us, makes it susceptible to Tumah? Usually that's only to make it Pasul. But are we saying that it can also carry on the Tumah further? In other words, this whole concept of means it's very sensitive to being disqualified. 
Okay, because it's so special. But that doesn't normally mean that it can then receive the Tum'an and pass it on. Why We wouldn't call it Tameh, we would call it Pasul. And yet we're saying here that this needle is actually making the meat Tameh and it could potentially tra- transmit that Tum'ah to other things. So it says, Tifshot de Reish Lakish, then we should really be able to resolve from here what the question of Reish Lakish, Tzarid Shal Minachot, Monin Bo Rishon Olo. This was a question of where you have a Mincha, and w- w- Mincha is always made of, of flour mixed together with some kind of, um, of oil. So what happens if the uh, if the uh, uh, if the, there's parts of the flour that don't mix in? You know, like when you make oatmeal or any kind of thing where you're trying to knead something together, and there's certain parts that are dry that's still dry. It didn't mix in properly. So what about there's certain parts that didn't mix in properly? So those parts of the flour actually don't have liquid, so they shouldn't really be susceptible to Tum'ah because they don't have, didn't have any contact with liquid. The parts that have the oil had contact with liquid, so they'll be susceptible to Tum'ah. So what's the only thing that makes the part of the flour that doesn't have liquid mixed into it susceptible to Tum'ah? Chibat HaKodesh. The fact that it's a korban makes it special. So even though it's not mixed in with oil, it's still going to be susceptible to Tum'ah. But Reish Lakish asked, does that mean that then, if that became Tum'ah, it could transfer the Tum'ah on? Or it just means it becomes Pasul? In other words, there's a question that's been discussed already whether this concept of Chibat HaKodesh is an ordinary concept of Tum'ah, that it means that this item can become Tameh and therefore if it's up to the right level it could also pass on the Tum'ah or if this concept of Chibat HaKodesh just means that it could become Pasul. It's very sensitive to becoming disqualified but that doesn't mean that it could pass on the Tum'ah. Rish Lakish had already asked this question in the case of a Mincha that was lacking oil. See that? There's a, again a Siman it's Chanukah we're talking about lacking oil. See that? There's, you know, it's a you have to write a WhatsApp about that later. <laughs> okay. Now, so so therefore that so we can't uh, we can't conclude that Reish Lakish didn't know everything that we know up till now. And if it were clear that in this case the only way the flesh could have been susceptible to tum'ah was as a result of chibata kodesh, meaning the fact that it was special. Um, as a korban, made it susceptible to Tum'ah, and therefore not only able to become Tameh, but even pass on the Tum'ah, then Reish Lakish would have known that case, and Reish Lakish would, have said, would not have had his question. Reish Lakish would have already been aware that Chibat HaKodesh means that something can both receive and pass on Tum'ah without any hechsher, without any qualification, just the fact that we love it because it's a korban. Okay, so that can't be the answer either. Right? So therefore, Amar Yehuda Amar Shmuel, Kigon Shaita Parashat Zavchish Shalamim, Verabba Narush Chata, Vadain Mashket Ofeachalea. The answer is that what they used to do was they would actually sometimes bring the animal into water before the, or uh, give it, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, Rashi here says, um, he says that in order to, because what they would do was when they would take the, Zavchish Shalamim, see, normally in Ola, the skin goes to the Kohanim. But here we're talking about shlamim, where the skin and the meat, both of them are given to the owners of the korban. Okay, so therefore, what will happen here? The skin and the meat will both be given to the to the owners. So therefore, what did they would do? They would take the animal through some water. It says There were two things that they would do. They would put it into water, and they would also give. Um, they, 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 he says here they would they would it sounds at first as they would walk through the actual river but I don't think that's what it means normally it talks about them giving drink to the animal before they would get right before the shechita that's what he means right even though he says I don't think he means he actually walked them through the water because why would they walk the animal through the water Right. Normally, they say that the reason they would do it is they would, if they gave them to drink, that actually made it easier for them to remove the skin. Right, and then it makes more sense of the Rashi says after that because it says 
Because, right, it says, Mashkin ota, she noach lafshit, right? Vadain mashke tofech alea. If they walk through the river, then what does it mean? Iev shashaloyi pol mina mashke ala basar. Right? So, uh, I mean, I guess so. I guess it could still have water on the skin from going to the, to the river. So, seemingly what he means is they would take them to the river. They probably got wet. They would take them to the river in order to drink from the river. The reason why they put them into the river wasn't to clean them off. It was in order to drink from the river. So, that way the skin would come off more easily. But in the course of doing that, of course, the cow goes into the river somewhat in order to get a... Uh, uh, not that it's like traipsing through the river. It means it's going up to the river to drink and it gets wet. And because it's wet on the skin, so that wetness is going to fall on the flesh. And that is the mashke tofeach aleah. What? Uh, who, I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's water. I mean, I don't know which one they have in mind, but a person, people travel from, who says this in Yerushalayim? They travel from all over with korbanot, from all over the country, so it could be anywhere. In any case, the point is that there's, that we're constructing a case, and I think that's the way you have to always uh, read, the way the Gemara reinterprets things, is it constructs a case that meets all the requirements. Meaning, when this case was stated, it wasn't focused on uh, what the hechshir of the meat was. That wasn't the point. But, the, you know, but obviously we must be talking about a case where that wasn't an issue. That's all. In other words, where for whatever reason it got wet. And now the Gemara is going to go on and say, uh, and say, if they find the needle in the waist of the animal instead of in the flesh, everything is going to be torah. So the question is, why won't the excrement make the flesh? Why are you saying it all stops there? How do you know that the, uh, why, why are you necessarily sure that the, um, that the, uh, now, meaning that this uh, perish usually actually refers to what's found in the stomach, meaning not that came out, right? So we're talking about the contents of the stomach, usually in kash- when we talk about kashrut, the perish in the bet, in the keva or whatever, in the stomach of the animal, we're talking about the digested waste that hasn't left the animal yet. We're not talking about that it's on the floor, we're talking about that it's in the animal. So then if the perish becomes tamay, why doesn't it make the flesh the to- of the animal tamay? In a, if you're going to say that the needle goes into the uh, uh, goes into the uh, uh, parish, it's in there, as, but that parish will not make the parish is like the digested stuff in the belly of the animal. Why wouldn't it make then the flesh of the animal tamei? That, that's the question. We're talking about thick type of. Uh, stuff in the stomach and since it's thick so therefore it's a solid and a solid won't be mitame a solid because we said before in ochel mitame ochel okay even though we saw that even though we saw that was a machloket before we saw it was a machloket before but uh, uh, but it but here it's assuming that in ochel mitame ochel we saw that it's a machloket right? what is the point I don't have to ask a chemist about that I'm not sure but um, but <laughs> you know but the, the, I think you, it's a it, it goes by the uh, you know intuitive test uh, liquid versus solid I mean if you, if you're talking about jello maybe you can make an argument either way but I think solid liquid usually it's pretty clear but then he says Ravashi says even if you're talking about where it is liquidy but still like we saw before something which is disgusting and gross so that's not considered something that is going to be uh, a food in any way, shape, or form. Even if it were in a liquid form, nobody's going to say it's a delicious drink, the contents of the animal's belly. So therefore, it's not going to be something it could be receiving or transmitting to ah. And in fact, there's a whole discussion in Kashrut about that what's found in the keva of the animal, what, what its status is, if it's liquidy, if it's, uh, if it's uh, become uh, solid, and so on, what its status is in terms of meat and milk and things like that. In any case, that's why he says, That's why, because it is disgusting stuff, it does Transmitted. A, a tana, the were, this is not talking about a Tanah from the Mishnah. 
In other words, this is Rav Sheshet's time. So what we're talking about is, Atana is somebody who would just memorize, people had phenomenal memories. They would have them memorize all the braytot, all of the teachings, and they would recite them. And then the rabbi's job was to discuss it. It would be like today using Google. I don't know, you would just look some text up, the text would be available to you, and then you discuss it. Sometimes you have to correct it, just like on Google. Sometimes you look something up and it's incorrect on the, what, you know, what, what you find there. So they would have these guys come and talk. This Tana was telling Rav Sheshet, Sheretz mitameta mashkin. A Sheretz will make, meaning this dead rodent or whatever will make liquid tamay. And then the liquids will make the vessel tamay. And then the vessel will make the food tamay. And then the food will make the mashkin, will make the liquids tamay. So he's describing a situation where sheretz makes liquids arishon the tumah because the sheretz avatumah. Right? So then the liquids make the vessel, the vessel will make the food in it, and then the, the food inside will make the, another set of liquids, and then he says, He says, and we learn three tumot in the sheretz. What do you mean three? The guy can't count too well. This he was good in, right, he was good in memorizing Braytot, but not so good in math. Right? Maybe that's why he went into, the, into Braytot instead of into uh, math. Right? So, <laughs> These are four. What do you mean three? So it says, Goz mashkin Take out the first mashkin. Anyway, it works better. Because according to the first way, what are you going to have to say? You're going to have to say that the mashkin made the kli tamay. And we saw that even though Rabbi Yehuda originally thought that, Rabbi Yehuda originally suggested that maybe even liquids could make kelim tamay, but then he later retracted. We saw that he retracted that position. So take that out, that the, that the sheretz made liquids tamay and the liquids made the because normally foods and liquids they don't make kelim to me they don't have, they don't affect kelim it's too high of a there's there's a there's a hierarchical system where adam is the highest kelim is after that and then foods foods normally cannot make kelim and kelim cannot normally make a person tamay. you know i mean under certain circumstances they 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 really can only transmit unless it, unless a case where it's an avatumah but otherwise, it cannot really, it can't, right, yeah, there's certain cases where it can be an avatuma, but otherwise not, right? So the point is, take that out, so we don't have that problem, and now it works better. The sheretz made the bowl tame, or whatever. The bowl made the food tame, okay? So now, and then the food made the liquid tame, and that works perfectly. No, 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 don't do that. Goes mashkin de sefa, why don't you erase the mashkin at the end? Why don't you say... The sheretz made the liquid tamay. The liquid made the uh, vessel tamay. The vessel made the food tamay. And stop there. Take, take out the part at the end. And then you'll also have three. He says, The reason is because we don't know anybody who holds that liquids can make a kli tamay. That liquids can make a vessel tamay. Except for Rabbi Yehuda. And he retracted. So we have nobody to, to attribute the teaching to. If we do it that way, we'd rather make it that it's agreed upon by somebody. And, the, and everyone agrees the sheretz can make a klitame, right? So then, and the sign to remember it is the way that they make beer. How do you make beer? You take a vessel, then you put in the solids, and then you pour the liquid. So you see from that, that uh, that's how you remember what the order of the brighta should have been. Should have been, sheretz makes klitame, kli makes solid tame, solid makes liquid tame. Okay, we learned over there. If you find the sheretz, even if the sheretz, we're obviously always talking about a dead sheretz, by the way. We're not talking about a live one. Even though a live sheretz might scare your wife more than a dead one, it's actually not tame. Right? So, yeah. As long as it's alive, it's still tahor, more tahor than you. So the, uh, the sheretz is, the, it, it, dead sheretz finds its way into a tanur, but it is not in the, it doesn't even have to touch the tanur. That's thing, these tanurim were made of cheres. They were made of earthenware. And we have a, re- a rule that the airspace of the earthenware container or kli is what makes it tamay. So we say, en kli cheres mitamay elam mitocho. 
or me'aviru. It's only from the inside. It's only from the, uh, from the airspace of it. So even if you took, let's say, I don't know why you would do this, but even if you took a sheretz on a string and you lowered it into the, into the oven, okay, and it was dangling there, it will make the oven tamay, and that will make the food in the oven a shenilatum'ah. Why? Because the oven becomes a rishonatum'ah from the sheretz, the sh- and then it gives off to whatever's in it, makes it a shenilatum'ah. Okay? Why do you have to be so, why being so liberal? You're saying that the food inside the oven becomes a shenilatum'ah. No, say that when that sheretz, since you're saying that it's the airspace of the tanur that is like, that, that makes it tamay, Right? So why don't you say that the, the, it's like that air in there is completely filled with the Tum'ah. And everything in that airspace is also be touching the Sheretz. Why don't you say it that way? And that would actually make the food inside a Rishon. It wouldn't be that the Sheretz made the oven Tameh. And the oven makes the food Tameh. Why say that? Just say that the Sheretz being in that airspace is like filling the whole airspace. Like a Tum'at Met. Where it fills the whole area that's under the Ohel. Why don't you say that? He says, no, it won't work that way. Don't think about it that way. Because we see that we have a teaching that says as follows. That you might have thought that all kelim should become tamay from the inside of a klicheres. Meaning if I took a metal cup and I put it into a, uh, a klicheres. And Rashi explains, im klishetef. means something you can dip into the uh, mikveh. So it means like a metal uh, vessel or something like that. Right? So it says, natun betoch klicheres v'sheretz b'avira chitzon. So let's say, for example, you have a big chalent pot, okay? Big, big earthenware pot. Inside is a sheretz. Okay? In the, and then you l- put into the airspace a metal cup. Okay? That metal cup, would that become tamay from the airspace of the Klicheres, right? So it says, you might think yes. Why? Because if you're going to say that the whole space is actually filled with the tomb of the Sheretz, and it's as good as touching the metal cup, right? In other words, if you say that what happens is the Sheretz makes the klicher, the big chalin pot tamay, and then the big pot makes the, uh, the, the what's inside it tamay, so then you understand why that metal cup would not become tamay, because a kli cannot make a kli tamay. But if you're going to say that the entire air is filled with Sheretzness because it's in there, so then, of course, the, the, that should be the same for the metal kli. Right? So therefore he says, Talmud Lamar, because it says anything inside will become tamay. And immediately after that, the next pasuk is Mikola Ochel, that from any food, meaning only food will re- receive tum'ah from the inside of the klicheres. You see from this that only food will become tamay from inside the klicheres. And the reason is because it's a two step process. The sheretz that's dangling in the airspace of the klicheres only makes the klicheres, it only makes, the, let's say, the oven. Tameh. And then the oven is responsible for making the food inside Tameh. So that's why it will only be a shenilatuma. And that's why it won't... Right, it's a two-step. It's not direct. It's not that we're saying that the sheretz fills the air of the tanur with sheretzness. Okay? Because that would be much more expensive. That would mean that anything in there is actually touching an avatuma. Would be a rishonatuma, not a sheni. Right? Because it would be touching a sheretz directly. If the sheretz is touching a particular food in the oven, that... Right, that one could be would become a shantum. Yeah, so that's why they're, they're talking about like where it's like dangling or it doesn't touch or yeah, it does touch directly. Was the air yeah. is not a medium of transfer. Right, the air only transfers to the klicheres. Right, doesn't transfer to what's in it. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It's not. It's not like uh, a medium transfer to everything else. Yeah. No, no, it's not oxygen. It's saying the space inside. Yeah, the space inside. Right. It doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be filled with oxygen. Yeah. 
So it's, it's not like transmission of sound or something else. Rav Chizda, Rami, Pischa, Pischa, Umishane. Rav Chizda showed a contradiction between two halachot and, and Pesach, and he, and he gave an answer. It's an interesting uh, Amud here. So what is it? Did Rabbi Yoshua really say? Remember in our Mishnah it said that Rabbi Yossi said, well, you know, Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Eliezer agreed that you can burn the, tr- the truma, to, that you can, uh, that, that you're allowed to burn the, uh, um, the, uh, when, when the, when Rabbi Meir said you can take the truma that's pure and the truma that's impure and you can burn them together, and Rabbi Yossi said, what are you talking about? Even Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua only argued about where one is tluya and one is tmeah. Meaning tluya means that we have a safek about it, so practically speaking, it's tame because we can't use it. Even though conceptually it might secretly be tower, we just don't know. Right, that's called tzluya. So he said, there Rabbi Yoshua said you could burn them together. But he never said you could burn pure with impure. Right, that was what Rabbi Yoshua said. But is that even really true? Umiyama Rabbi Yoshua, Ashtayen Kachat, did Rabbi Yoshua really say that a doubtful, tam, doubtfully Tamei and definitely Tamei could be burnt together? Or Romina, we, lear, we, we learned elsewhere, Am Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi himself said, Enani don domen raya, that the, what we're discussing is not similar to the proof you're bringing. Kesheidu Rabotin Ramahidu Allah Basar Shinitma Vladimash Sufinot Emma Basar Shinitma Bavatuma. When did the rabbis speak? They spoke about where flesh that derived its tum'ah from a vlada tum'ah, from a second, meaning it was a, it itself was only a sheni or shlishi tum'ah, that it was burned together with an ah, that with something that was a rishon the tum'ah, right? Zetame vizetame, they're both tame, they could be burned together. Or they talked about oil that was tame. The oil of truma that became became pasul actually from a tvul yom, somebody who had gone to the mikveh that day for their uh, impurity. So they are a sheni tumah, and they will make the truma what's called pasul, right? And you put it, you put it into a candle which was nitma bitmemet, so it would actually upgrade it, right? Sheze pasul vezetame. One is pasul, one is tamei. So over there, af anu modim We'll say the same thing. If one one piece of truma was uh, touched the sheretz directly, and it's a rishon the tumah, and the other one touched the uh, rishon the tumah became a sheni the tumah, we agree. You could definitely burn those two together. They're both tamei. But how can you take something which is tluya, which is doubtfully tame, and burn it together? Maybe Eliyahu and is going to come and he's going to say that it's okay, that it really wasn't tame at all. He's going to resolve the safek. So it says, So, so, the, so in our Mishnah, Rabbi Yossi says that, oh, Rabbi Yoshua only said his position with doubtful and definite uh, that you could burn them together. He never said with, with pure and impure. He said with doubtfully impure and definitely impure you could burn together. But in this bright day, he's saying, no, Rabbi Yoshua never said doubtfully. If it's doubtful that it's still possibly taor, you can't put it together. So which one is true? There were two different versions of Rabbi Yoshua's position. One is Rabbi Yossi's that we just read. And the other one is actually Rabbi Shimon. If Erev Pesach falls on Shabbat, you have to burn everything before Shabbat. We already saw Rabbi Meir's position is... Anything can be burned. Even the Torot, even the pure Chuma can be burned with the Tamei because it's all Holech Li'ibud anyway. We don't care. It's all going to be destroyed. What's the difference? Rabbi Yossi says, no, three different groups. The things that are definitely Tahor in one. The things that are questionably Tahor, questionably Tamei in one. The things that are Tamei for sure in one. 
right? He says you have to have all three. I would wonder why each individual tluyapis could be tahor, could be tamei. Why is he not worried about that? Be, yeah, he's rushing me by itself, but he doesn't go that far. It's interesting he doesn't go that far. I, I, was, I was thinking, obviously, he thinks tluya is like a category in its own right. You know, it's, it's a category in its own right. Anyway, I'm Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon said, Lo nechle kore bielis rabbi Yoshua ala Torah, vala tamei ashen sofino ala Torah, vala Torah, so ba'atzma ve so ba'atzma, right? Um, I'm sorry, I skipped a line. Both Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua agree when it comes to pure and impure, right? That, um, that, uh, that, right? That you, that you don't burn them together. Right? He says, no, that lo nechleku. In other words, they didn't disagree that you can't take the pure and the impure and burn them together. They agreed that you can't, right? Oh. And if you have questionable and pure, you can burn it together. What did they argue? When it comes to the, the questionable and the definite. Rabbi Eliezer Omer Tisaref. That Rabbi Eliezer said, burn each one separately. And Rabbi Yoshua said, the both of them together. Right? In other words, this is Rabbi Shimon's interpretation of Rabbi Yoshua. That he said, Tzluya and Tzmei'ah could be burned together. But Rabbi Yossi says, no, even that, Rabbi Yoshua said, you can't do. You can only burn definitely Tamei things together. You can't mix questionable and definite. That was Rabbi Yossi's position in Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Shimon's interpretation of Rabbi Yoshua was that doubtfully, doubtfully, Tamei, he would also put with the Tamei. Right? That, and that was the question. Vehamat nitin Rabbi Yossi. Now there's an obvious problem, which is in our Mishnah, it says Rabbi Yossi said, Rabbi Yoshua agreed that if there's doubtfully Tamei and there's definitely Tamei, they could be burned together. Yeah. That's what it says in our Mishnah. Right. How can you ignore that? Yeah. He says, no problem, I can ignore it. Because Achikam Rabbi Yossi. This is what Rabbi Yossi said to Rabbi Meir. Afilo Rabbi Shimon valibad Rabbi Yoshua de Mekel. Even according to my disputant, right? Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon, who has a more liberal interpretation of Rabbi Yoshua and has Rabbi Yoshua permitting to burn questionable, questionably tamay with definitely tamay. Even he came a kel Even he only says you can do that with doubtfully tamay and definitely tamay. But even he would not go so far, even though he's wrong, right? Rabbi Yossi is saying, even though he's wrong about his interpretation of Rabbi Yoshua, even he wouldn't be as wrong as you are, Rabbi Meir, because you're saying that the Tahor and the Tamei could go together. Even Rabbi Shimon, who thinks that Rabbi Yoshua meant that questionably Tamei and definitely Tamei could go together, even though he's also wrong, he's not as wrong as you are, right? But, it, but he wouldn't go that far. That's what, that's what Rabbi Yossi meant in the Mishnah. Okay, now, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Chanina, Rabbi Tumma, Pischa, we have another contradiction, this time raised by Rabbi Yosef, by Rabbi Chanina, Um Shanei, that he re- resolved. And we're familiar with all these cases from before, actually. Did Rabbi Yosef really say that you could burn the Truma that's definitely Tamei with the one that's questionably Tamei? According to, that's according to Rabbi Shimon's interpretation, obviously. We had before that if you have a barrel of, of Truma, that you have a question about whether it's Tamei or not. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, so according to Rabbi Eliezer, listen, even though it's questionably Tamei, you still have an obligation, right, of keeping the, uh, uh, what's, uh, the, uh, the Mishmeret. You have to keep the guarding of the, of the Truma from any Tum'ah. So even though it might be 
impure, you're not really sure, you still have the obligation to guard it from any further impurity. So if it was in an open place, you have to put it in a secret place, meaning away from the public. If it was exposed, you have to cover it. In other words, you can't allow it to become more tame. Even though it's already doubtfully tame, you don't have the right to expose it to more tuma because you still have the obligation um, that... Uh, that you have to guard the truma, which is one of the mitzvot. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, He says, you know what? You can allow it to become definitely tameh if you want. Just leave it out there. If it's out there, leave it. He's not saying go make it tameh. He's saying you can leave it out there. You don't have to hide it. Even if it was in a private area, move it to an open area. Maybe it will become definitely tameh. Then at least you know what to do with it because it's definitely tameh. Right? In the meantime, if it's, let's say, oil or whatever that is questionable, so I can't eat it because it might be tamay. I can't burn it because it might be tahor. So I can't do anything with it. What am I going to do? Wait till it spoils. I'll be sitting here till the cows come home. You know, it's going to be forever. So therefore, there you see, in biadaim lo. So the problem is that over there, what is Rabbi Yoshua saying? He's saying, grama, you're doing it indirectly. You're leaving it and then saying, maybe some tumah will happen and I'm allowed to expose it. I don't have that positive mitzvah of lishmor etamishmeret. I don't have to guard it anymore. But I can leave it and allow it to be exposed. But he never said you could make it Tameh. Whereas here with Pesach, he's saying, go take the questionably Tameh thing and the definitely Tameh, put it together. Even though you're going to make it Tameh. So it said, Interesting answer. He says, you know what? Rabbi Yossi would disagree with this case as well. In other words, Rabbi Yossi would say that just like I don't believe that Rabbi Yoshua said you could burn uh, Tameh and questionably Tameh together. I would say he also would say that questionably Tameh has to be guarded. But Rabbi Shimon that says that Rabbi Yoshua says that once it's already questionably Tameh, there's already no obligation to protect it anymore and you can even expose it. He also would say that you could, uh, you could go further. You could even make it Tameh on purpose apparently, right? You wouldn't have to only do grama, right? According to Rabbi Yossi, the grama requirement is because Tzluya is still a step up above Tameh. So you have you can only do it in a way that's indirect. Just like you can you're not allowed to put the questionably Tameh with the definitely Tameh because you're, you know you, that's so so Rabbi Yossi would also say that you you uh, can only indirectly allow it to be exposed to Tumah. But Rabbi Shimon who said that you could actually physically take uh, questionably Tameh and really Tameh and put them together would also say you could even make this Tameh once it becomes according to Rabbi Shimon's interpretation of Rabbi Yoshua it's, it makes logical sense his interpretation is once functionally this is useless as Truma there's no more obligation to prevent it from becoming Tameh and you can make it Tameh uh, that, that's, what Rabbi, that's how Rabbi Shimon understands Rabbi Yoshua so he's saying there's no reason to do it indirectly just do it once it's already invalid for you you can't do anything with it you might as well make it Tameh and just finish the process finish it off now, another case, it says, uh, uh, also, uh, right, but he's saying that the obligation to prevent it from becoming Tameh is only as long as you can use it. Once you can't use it, it doesn't make a difference. Because for us, from our perspective, we'll never know, right. and it's useless, right. so it's useless. So that's, that's what he's saying. Now, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar, this is not Rabbi Eliezer or Rabbi Elazar, the Tanah, this is the Amora. He's showing a contradiction between two cases of Chuma. We saw these also before. Is it really true that Rabbi Yoshua said that you can only cause Tuma to happen indirectly and not directly? If you have a barrel of wine that got broken in the upper part of the uh, wine press and underneath is chulin that is tameh. We saw this before, yeah, right? Yeah. So, 
Everybody agrees that if you could save even one revi'it of the pure truma, you should find a tahor kli and try to save it. Even though in the meantime, what's below is going to get ruined. Because remember, the chulin tme'im, chulin that are tame are fine. You can eat chulin that's tame. There's no problem with that. But truma that's tame you can't eat. Right? And, and there's gonna, it's going to become ruined. So, yeah. So, therefore, if you let it drop in, it's going to become tamay and it's going to ruin the chulin. If you catch it in a tamay container, so you're going to make the truma tamay also, but at least you'll save the chulin from being mixed with truma, which is worse. Oh, yeah. Right? That's the thing. In other words, the problem is not that the chulin on the bottom are going to become tamay. They already are. The, question, the problem is they're going to become truma that's tamay, which is worse. Right? Yeah. Because there's nothing you can do. So if you can save any of the truma in its pure state, do it. Vimlav, if not, according to Rabbi Eliezer, let it go down and ruin everything and just don't touch it. According to him, you can do it directly. In other words, according to Rabbi Yoshua, since you're going to save the chulin on the bottom because from prevent the truma to fall down there, it's going to become tamay anyway. Whatever it doesn't make. Just catch it with a tamay thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt it's going to happen. Just go grab it with a tamay thing. Rabbi Eliezer says, better to just let it fall in and you didn't do it. Don't do it yourself. Okay. So the question is, but here, aside from, you can argue the, the point, but aside from the, the, you know, the inevitability versus you're taking action, it's a moral dilemma that comes up in a lot of different cases where, where you, you know, being passive versus being active, is it really the same thing? It's a, a lot of philosophical discussion about that in like, uh, in, you know, beyond this case. But the point is that going to Rabbi Yoshua, here he's telling you, go take a tamay vessel and go grab it. Right. So, uh, and, uh, whereas, you know, in, in the case before, he was talking about only uh, doing things indirectly, right? Before we said, oh, uh, if you leave it exposed and it becomes tamay, that's okay, but you can't go make it tamay. Here he's saying, grab it and make it tamay. Well, here is different. Right? There's causing damage. Exactly. That's what Gemara says. You're right. Over there is different because you have said chulin. Over there you have... Uh, the, you're going to destroy, uh, you know, have a waste as a result of the chulin falling in, and that's why the um, and that's why he allows you there to to proactively make it tamei, right? Now, uh, obviously, they could have just gone and said, "Well, that's Rabbi Yossi again. Uh, that's uh, that maybe that's Rabbi Shimon's interpretation that you're allowed to just go and do things directly, right?" But it's saying according to Rabbi Yossi, how would he explain it? Obviously, that must be what it means because according to Rabbi Shimon, already we said that you could even do it directly according to him, <laughs> right? You can you can directly make things. Up. Although maybe it's maybe it is uh, uh, you know m- maybe it's different because here it's um, here it's it's already it's pure and it's not uh, right. So how's it going to be a daim lo Rabbi Yossi? Okay, no, that was before. So, uh... Okay, yeah. So, but that's the point. It says that over that the question was, did Rabbi Yoshua say you can never directly make something to me? Look, you could directly make it to me, but that's because of the... Uh, that is because of the... Um, uh, of the... Uh, the issue of uh, saving the, the chulin on the bottom. So then, Matkivla asked the question, What about our case? By having to make more than one pyre to burn the uh, different types of truma, you're wasting wood because you're going to have to burn everything separately. So why don't you say, yeah, we might as well save it. It's all going to waste anyway. We might as well go save it. says, no, because they were only worried about major loss. It's not a major loss, it's a little bit more firewood. There's a difference between a, a vat of wine versus firewood. Wasn't it a Hahusaba last time? 
wasn't that bad. They gave the answer. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, this is like a rehash of this is a rehash of the discussion before, but different characters. Yeah. So now the so now the now the Gemara asks, "Minatim what lefzid mo bechashu lefzid mo adlo chashu?" How do I know that they were only concerned when the loss was big? I'll give you a proof. The Daniel says, "Nabari the chavichal shemen tromash nish bravo gatad yona." Let's say it's now not wine but oil. Okay, so let's chulin tmein on the bottom. Moder be lezor be yoshoshim yacholatim menarvit b'tarah yatzil. So again, if you can save a vi'it with tarah, you should. But v'imlav, if you can't, because there's no pure clear round, tayred b'tamei b'lik tamei b'yad. Here he says, let it fall down and make everything tamei on the bottom. Okay, so then uh, the question is that uh, uh, everybody here agrees you let it fall down. Meaning Rabbi Yoshua doesn't say catch the oil with the, the impure. Meaning try if you can to save some. But if you can't, just let it go. They're not saying to grab it and to make it. Uh, so why not? I was going to say why. Why? Well, that's why. Yeah. You should have. We need to put you in a time machine. And put you back in the time of tomorrow because you have all the answers already. I have to read it, but you don't have to read it. You're ahead of us. Okay? So that's exactly right. My sh- so it says, my, what's the difference? Shemen, the oil hadlik. Right? So it says, that's different. So it says, Maishna Shemen, Shem oil hadlik. Because you're allowed to use. Oil of chuma that becomes tamay, you're allowed to still use it. You're allowed to burn it for for uh, you know right. candles, right? So right. So therefore, so therefore, uh, you're not really ruining it. You're not really losing it, right? So it says, but But how? So you're saying that the reason why Rabbi Yoshua allowed them to catch and make the truma tamay before was because it was a big loss with wine, and it's a small loss here of oil. So he let it become tamay. Lets the truma become tamay on the bottom, and lets it mix in with the chulin. He doesn't care. But that. But what about yain also the ziluf? You, you can also use the wine that's tamay for ziluf. They would use it for like uh, fragrance. You know, they would nice. spritz it around the room and give a nice smell. So why can't you do that? Right? So it says, And if you'll tell me, no, that's not really important, fragrant wine, that's not as significant of a use. That if you, that if, yeah, if you, you should use the less expensive wine, get the Manishevitz wine for drinking, and the fine wine, the two Sela wine, you should use that for the spritzing, because that's the smell is more important. So, yeah, so you see, they just, he, yeah, so yeah, so it says, the expensive wine, so you see that they use, so, that, so what the problem so the wine that's tamay will fall into the wine that I'm sorry the wine that's tomorrow will fall into the wine below that's tamay will all become tamay so you use it for perfume of the house right for fragrance of the house instead of uh, drinking well it's the same as with the with the oil so why are you making a distinction it says no bechadash here we're talking about new wine new wine doesn't give a fragrance Right, so so that's fine. So how will know? So leave it around and let it age, and then drink it. What's the problem? I mean, so and then and then use it for fragrance. I mean, so it says no. The problem is if you leave this wine around, then really tell me someone's going to come drink it. Okay, so same problem with oil. So what's it, so you know same problem with oil. So why is oil different then? You're, if you leave it around to burn it, you might end up using it and putting it on your uh, on on your cracker and eating it. You know they used it as butter. So it says, no, because you have to put it into a, that's why if you're going to keep this tamay oil around, you have to put it into a, like a dirty uh, container. So everyone knows it's not for eating. Okay, so do it with the wine too. So so, I, so in other words, you, well, you're trying to make a distinction that's not working. It says, no, the ziluf says you can't do that because all of the, when it comes to oil that you're going to burn, nobody cares if the container that has the oil that's being used for kindling is disgusting. But if you're using this wine for beautiful fragrance, you're not going to put it in a dirty container because it's going to ruin it, right? It's not going to work, right? So therefore, 
Um, so therefore you see that there's a difference. So when it comes to wine, even though it's true you could salvage it by using it for fragrance, right? There's no way to salvage it that's going to avoid the problem of takala, that you're going to end up having a problem because you're not going to put it in a disgusting uh, container and therefore somebody might come to drink it. So that's why it's going to be a loss. It's going to be 100% loss. But in the case of the oil, it won't be a loss. So therefore there, there's no justification for making the tumad tameh directly be a daim the way that, uh, uh, you know, the way that uh, Rabbi Yoshua allowed you the first time where you're really saving a significant uh, amount of money. Now it says, and also, and also the, there's a machloket whether we're worried about that whole issue of takala, of coming, to a, coming into a problem. How so? If you have a barrel of wine of Tumah that became Tameh, Shemai says, spill the whole thing out. You can't keep it around because you're going to end up coming to drink it, right? And however, or right? Either way, meaning the barrel could become for fragrance. It's no problem. Keep it around. So you see that Rabbi, that that actually Beit Shammai is the one that's worried about people coming to uh, people coming to drink it. He says that you have to spill it out. Rabbi Tilel doesn't seem to be worried about that at all. So it says, and then and then we have Amar Rabbi Yishmael Rabbi Yosi and Yachria. Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi says, I'm going to compromise between the two. If it's in a field that you're out, then you should spill it all out. Why? Because out there, you're not going to be fragranting the, you know, I don't know what you call it, uh, making the, uh, spreading fragrance in the field. It's outside in the dirt. It's not going to work. But in the house there, where you have the potential to do ziluf, right? So in the house, it makes more sense to, uh, to sp- spread it around like that. Right? So, the, so, uh, is, and and then it says Some say When if it's new wine, spill it out because you're not going to be. It's not used for fragrance, right? If it's already aged, so then it could be made into fragrance. And he gives a, the point is he gives two answers. Your is not Your compromise is not a compromise. And Rashi always explains this the same way. He says that whenever the two opinions mention the two cases, in other words, if Beit Shammai said. I say to spill it out, whether it's in the field or whether it's in the house. And Beit said, whether it's in the field or whether it's in the house, you can keep it. And then he said, said, no, I say in the field, yes. In the field, spill it out. And in the house, keep it. So then it would be considered that he's, take, he's agreeing with Beit Shammai in one thing and he's agreeing with Beit Shammai in the other thing because they each mention the two cases. But since he's the one introducing the distinction, he's not considered to be siding yeah. with each party because neither other neither of the parties mentioned these two distinctions, okay? So therefore, uh, the um, uh, he says that's not a hachra'a, it doesn't uh, it doesn't work out. And uh, and and therefore you see avalashta right as she says at the end that um, so he says that avalashta doliskiu bayit v'sade tamachrina hu velav mishum takala. He says that there was really only Rabbi, that Rabbi Ishmael Rabbi Yossi was assuming that the reason behind the machloket was about takala, was about it coming to a, a, a situation where you would accidentally drink it, but that might not be the reason. The reason is something else. Okay, so the point is that that itself is a discussion whether we're worried about the potential of people coming to drink it or not. That itself is a, is a machloket tanaim and, uh, and whether you're allowed to keep that item around or not. Okay, now the Gemara goes on and says, and we'll try to complete this. Now, if this wine is falling in to a uh, to a, a vat of wine below that is not that big, so that's where it's going to ruin it. Yeah, yeah. However, yeah, 
But if it's falling into a hundred times the amount of wine on the bottom, we know that the truma is batel in one to one hundred and one. Meaning, if there's one portion of uh, truma to a hundred portions of chulin, so it's batel anyway. So they'll say, okay, let it fall in. Yes, it will be tamei, but it will just be chulin tmeim. Because the chulin will have the, the truma goes in. Bitul doesn't help you with the tuma. But, uh, but it will make so, make so, so what? So the truma will become tamei, but it will become batel in the chulin. So a non kohen can buy it and, and use it. It's no problem. And that way it won't be an issue. So then there's no reason to make the truma tamei with your hands. Just let it fall in, and then you'll still have the chulin. And then you avoid the problem of the hefsed. There's no loss. We also learn. Exactly what we just said. That if there's a hundred portions of, of uh, chulin wine, meaning a hundred times as much wine as there is truma that's going to fall in. So if you can save some of the truma by finding a pure vessel, do it. And if not, just let it fall in because it becomes batil anyway. Okay? So there we're not worried about the truma becoming tamay as it falls in, but uh, we did our best to try to salvage some bitara. Whatever falls in, falls in, and anyway, it'll be batil on the bottom. It's no problem. Now the Gemara asks one last question. Hi. If you look at the discussion here, it says that Rebbe, it, when it talks about the case of Rebbe, it says Rebbe Eliezer agrees to Rebbe Yoshua that if you can save even a refi'it of uh, pure impurity, you should do it. What do you mean, Rabbi Eliezer agrees with Rabbi Yoshua? Rabbi Yoshua never talked about that. Rabbi Yoshua is actually the one that says, "Go ahead and make it tamei with your hands. It doesn't matter." So, what do you mean, Rabbi Eliezer agrees with Rabbi Yoshua? Should be the other way around. That Rabbi Yoshua, when you can save some of it, betara, even Rabbi Yoshua, who normally says you could just grab it with a non uh, a non tahor vessel, says just go get a tahor, go get a tahor one and save some. Even he agrees. Right, even though by doing that you're definitely going to ruin the chulin on the bottom, since you can accomplish some saving of some trumat Torah, you should do it, even according to Rabbi Yoshua. It should be Rabbi Yoshua agrees to Rabbi Eliezer to do that, not the other way around, because Rabbi Yoshua is the one who's more concerned with the destruction of the chulin on the bottom, and he's the one that's telling you you could catch it and make the trumat tmeah. So therefore, what? So the Gemara first answer is Amarava Ipuch. You're right. Switch it around. It's really Rabbi Yoshua that's agreeing to Rabbi Eliezer. Meaning, even though I, Rabbi Yoshua, say that I don't really care that the Trumat Torah is going to fall into the Chulin Tmeim on the bottom, right? I, I'm sorry, I, I do care, rather. I don't care that you're going to grab the Trumat Torah in the, with, a, with an, uh, a Tamei Kli and catch it so it doesn't ruin what's on the bottom. Even though I say that, and even though you're going to make it all Tamei, Right? If you could catch some of it, Betara, you should do that. Even though the rest, even though it's still going to ruin the Chulin on the bottom. The rest is going to spill down. Still, if you could save any, I agree. It should be written that way. That's what Rava says. However, Rav Amar Lolam Lotepuch. You don't have to switch it around. Because Achabem Ayeskin, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a very specific case. Where the inside of the Kli was Tahor. The outside was Tameh. You might be concerned that in a case where you have to get a kli, a tahor kli, really quickly to catch this wine that's dripping down, there might only be available to you a vessel that has a pure inside but an impure outside. And that would be in certain rabbinic cases where the rabbis made certain gzerot of tumah only on the outside of the vessel, not on the inside, okay? So you might have a vessel like that. And it says, even Rabbi Eliezer agrees, Rabbi Yoshua is saying, you can go all out and just uh, use Tamei Kelim if you have to, to catch this Truma. So even Rabbi Eliezer, who says you have to try to use a, t- a Kli Tahor, would agree that if, if it has Tum on the outside of the Kli, right, you can use that. 
and you don't have to worry that maybe you're going to end up causing directly the uh, the Chumah to become Tameh. You don't have to worry about that in that case. So that's why it says Rabbi Eliezer agrees to Rabbi Yoshua, meaning even Rabbi Eliezer who says that normally you can never take a Kli Tameh to catch the Chumah. Here he will allow you to take a Kli that has the outside of it Tameh Midrabanan in order to save what's in what falls into the Kli uh, from from becoming impure. So that's why it says Rabbi Eliezer agrees to Rabbi Yoshua, meaning about getting a kli that is not 100% tahor. Um, he agrees to him in that case that if that's what you have to do, he's, he's willing to compromise in Kamash Malan. And Hadran Allah, Ola Ba'asa, that's the conclusion of uh, first parak of Sahib. So, Bezrat Hashem, tomorrow on Shabbat we will begin the uh, second parak.